of being back together in-house, and so we're thankful that you're here. We're also thankful to those who are still tuning in live, and uh, we appreciate you being with us today, being a part with us, and for those who are still uh, a little bit uncomfortable about being out in public, we truly understand. We don't want you to feel uncomfortable. We want you to take your time, be back with us in due time. Those who have been attending with us live over the last several, several weeks, almost a couple of months, if you live in the area, again, we also give you an opportunity to come by and visit with us as well. But we're thankful that each and every one is here today uh, to worship the Lord, to worship in His Spirit and His truth, uh, to be, uh, to be a, a body of Christ, to be a people that, that love one another. And, uh, and we trust that the grace of God is very operative and very strong for, for each of us this day. Let me pray with you as we begin, as we worship the Lord. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us, beautiful for the fact that we can be together in-house as well as to be together uh, virtually uh, it, through this wonderful technology we have. And Father, I pray for each and every one who's in attendance of this worship, uh, whether they're in the comfort of their own home or whether in the house, that this will be a day that, that each of us realize the powerfulness and the awesomeness of your presence. We thank you for your grace that is extended to us, we thank you for the relationship uh, with, with you as Father God, as, as Son and Holy Spirit. And may each of our hearts be gladdened because we realize how good it is uh, to be in the house of the Lord this day. Father, we want to bless your name. We want to lift your name up on high, give you all recognition that you are Lord of Lord and King of Kings, that you're mighty and you're powerful. And Lord, we give you praise and thanksgiving because you are that awesome God, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace. And for each of us as well, may this be a day in which uh, for our minds would be clear of any distractions that will focus on you and see your glory in all, the, all that you are. Again, thank you for your love and thank you for your presence. In your name that we pray, amen.
Thank you guys beautiful song you know isn't it good that God is a God that that is making us and molding us into that perfect vessel that he's wanting us to be and a lot of times we we may feel broken and we may feel as if we got a few more cracks in the pottery uh, that God has made but yet in his wonderful uh, gracious care he knows how to re-wit and remold us. Even though we may still have scars, he knows how to make us useful all over again. And so today I want to bring a message to you that's entitled, A Servant's Heart. A Servant's Heart is found in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, which really the focal verse is verse 3. As I have been in the past, Several Sundays I have been using multiple scriptures and for those who are not able to see many of those scriptures on the screen that may be uh, tuning in still virtually, I'll try to go slow enough or repeat the scripture references if you want to write them down uh, so that you can refer to them at, at a later time, it would be uh, you know, helpful for you, I'm sure. So we'll try to do that. In Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, is the passage that is about the choosing of servants to serve the church. And it is about the, the choice of Stephen as well as others. In those days, as the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews 
against the Hebraic Jews that widows were being overlooked in daily distribution. And then the twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching about God to wait on tables. Therefore, brothers, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the preaching ministry. The proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the preaching about God flourished, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem multiplied greatly, and a large group of priests became obedient unto faith. And in this passage of Scripture, it is about servanthood. It's about you and I being called to be a servant. It's about you and I, at some point in our life, we recognize the joy of, of God placing the honor and the privilege upon us and saying to us, you are my servant, so serve well in all that you do. And so this, this message is about that servant. So let me ask you from the onset, what is one of the greatest privileges or duties of every believer? We've already given the answer. It is to serve. It is a wonderful, beautiful duty and privilege that all of us share in a common, uh, a common way as a body of Christ and as believers, it is to serve. But the question is, our service today is much different than our service from up to the middle of March of 2020. Because now as a body in Christ, we have to rethink some things on how we're going to serve in a COVID-19 world. Well, I hope to give you some answers in regards to that question that I think can excite you and cause you to, to a light to come on on what you can do in your community and the people around you right now and show them the love of God and serve them with a wonderful heart. And so I want us to look at Psalm 135, verses 1 through 3. And in Psalm 135, verses 1 through 3, it says this, there are two main characters in this scripture something I'd never seen before. I, I read it as a praise psalm, and I never saw the title until I read over it again. And this is, in many cases in your scripture, it may give you a title that says that the Lord is great or hallelujah, God is praised. But in Psalm 135, it says, hallelujah, praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, you servants of the Lord who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of of the house of our God, praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name for it is delightful. And yet notice in verse one, it says, give praise you servants. It's talking to the body of Christ. It's talking, it's identifying the people who have identified with God, who have, have placed their faith and trust in him and the psalmist identifies the believer as servants. Give praise, ye servants. God is the main, the main entity of this scripture because he is God. And yet the lesser is that of the servants. And so you and I are automatically, even from the Old Testament all throughout the New Testament, the believers who identify themselves together are believers who are called servants. So when it comes to serving God, how well are you doing? When it comes to serving God, how well are you doing? Now that's not a question to create judgment, nor is it a question to create guilt, 
It's a question for evaluation, more of a rhetorical question to answer on through the rest of your life that says, how can I serve God better today than I served him yesterday? How can I serve God with all my heart more so than I've ever served him before today than I did yesterday? How well am I doing? How well are you doing in your service to God? And so let me give you a couple of the, the a couple of ideas that I think can remind us about a servant's influence, a reminder of about a servant's influence. Now, you say, Pastor, this is Mother's Day. Where in the world are you going? I'm waiting to hear something about mothers. Yes, happy Mother's Day to everyone. Happy Mother's Day, wonderful moms. Happy Mother's Day to those who hold the memories of, of your moms who are not here. But why do I speak on servanthood? Because my mom taught me from the very beginning inside the kitchen of how to serve. And so this message is in honor of all those moms because moms stand out as wonderful servants in the house in which God allows them to raise a family. And many of you are great examples of servanthood in your family. But I want us to think about the servants that God has called us to be and think about a service, a servant's influence. Number one, I want us to think about the attitude of a servant. In order to serve, there's got to be the right attitude. It's kind of like the attitude check where you, you take a, a recollection of where you are and who you are and where you've been, where you're going, what you've accomplished and what you hope to see, and yet at the same time, you, you have an attitude check all along the way. Am I in a point in my mind that I have the attitude to serve and, and serve unselfishly for the glory and the honor of God or am I serving so that I am recognized, so that I'm patted on the back, so that I am someone in life? The, the difference is the attitude must be unto the Lord and not unto ourselves. And so let's look at the attitude and you basically find it all throughout Scripture and who's the best attitude of service and a servant but that of Christ himself. And so you see in Matthew chapter 20, one scripture, and listen to a little attitude that is displayed in Matthew 20, verses 20 through 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons approached him with her sons, approached Jesus. She knelt down to ask him for something, and Jesus says, what do you want? He asked her, promise, as he asked her, she said, promise that these two sons of mine may sit, one on the right and the other on the left in the kingdom of God. Now, isn't that a great mother who's always looking out for their sons? And even when it comes to the kingdom of God, they're thinking, you know, Jesus, if you could place one of my sons at the right and one at the left, I'll be so proud and I'll know that I have succeeded in life and that I have done my due diligence and I have served well. Can my sons sit on your right and your left? You can't fault that mom for looking out for her sons. But Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? We are able, they said to him. He told them. You will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right and left is not mine to give. Instead, it belongs to those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. When the ten disciples heard this, they became indignant with the two brothers. Isn't that kind of comical? That the other ten started punching him and say, Man, are you stupid? Don't do that, man. Back off. Let him do the choosing. Don't make any, don't give him any ideas. But they become indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them over and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles dominate them. The men of high position exercise power over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you, you must, be your, you must be your slave. But as the Son of Man did not come to 
to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom of many. You see the attitude there is right in line with what Jesus is prescribing every day for your life and mine, where he says it's all about serving someone else. It's all about at a point of which you and I realize why we're doing what we're doing and how we're doing what we're doing, and we're doing it in such a well way that God gets all the glory and all the honor. Jesus displays that attitude. You see it there on the cross even when he says, John, behold your mother. Even on the cross, you see him looking out and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see it on the cross when, when the two criminals are, are there crucified with him and he, he looks to him and has compassion upon those dying men and says to the one who cried out, Remember me when you get into your kingdom. And Jesus says, it is done. And of course, he displays a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful theological statement. It is finished. And so we understand servanthood in the life of Jesus. And we see the attitude of that servant. Also in Mark chapter 9, verse 33 through 36 in Mark chapter 9, verse 33 and 36. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked him, what are you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, because on the way they had been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Sitting down, he called the twelve, and he said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And then he took a child and had him stand among them and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one little child such as this in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but him who sent me. You see, Jesus' attitude here in Mark chapter 9 in verses 33 through 36, there, the disciples were asking a question and it was the question that they were wondering, you know, who's the greatest here? Again, their attitude is, what, it's all about me. And Jesus is saying, it's not about you. It's about the Father. And when you get to the point in your own mind and heart that you bring yourself down to that point of which you realize that it is not about the greatness of who you are, it's about the greatness of whom you serve. I think the attitude of a servant is when people see our lives and, and say to us, there's one thing I can say about him or her, is that they care so much about me that I don't even see the care of, of them own, own selves. They're so bent on purpose of serving and not to be served. And Jesus' attitude is just that, of attitude of a servant. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. In Philippians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4. It says then, then there is, if there is any in encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by thinking the same way and having the same love and sharing the same feeling. Focusing on one goal. Do nothing out of revelry or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. And everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. You see, Jesus' attitude, obviously, as Paul describes it in the book of Philippians to the Philippian church that the ultimate attitude that you and I adopt and have and, and embrace in our life is the attitude of Christ whom if, if you ever have questioned what would Christ do in this situation, that's one scripture you go back to and you look at and you say, what did Paul say that we're to do as a servant? And it is basically to take on the same attitude that Christ had, humbling ourselves as a servant even a servant 
so to the point as unto death. I mean, what an attitude Jesus teaches us. And it's not an attitude that thunders in our life and blows us away. It's an attitude that guides us and directs us and leads us and, and, and motivates us uh, to be better apt in loving the people all around us. But a second part of a servant's influence is a, the action of a servant. It is the action of a servant. Now, there are three scriptures I want to give you as we look at what can add meaning to this action. And then I want us to focus on one which I think is the substance of the entire message today that is found in John chapter 13. So in Ephesians chapter 5, as we talk about the, I think about the action of a servant, now let's look at what we can do. And in Ephesians 5, verses 13 through 15, it says, Everything exposed by the light is made clear. For what makes everything clear is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, arise up from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. We're talking about action here. We're talking about the light of God hitting our, our self, the light of God penetrating our soul, the light of God intermingling with the DNA of our spirit, and we take on the DNA of the Father God, and that light permeates the existence of who you are and who I am, and as a result, we begin to walk in a way that's worthy unto the calling of being a servant. What a joy and what a great privilege it is to serve. What an honor and what a, what a blessing it is to be allowed to serve. It may not always be the most popular. It may not always be the, the, um, the most sought after, but it is the most rewarding and fulfilled with great blessing of that of service. And being a servant. Now in John chapter 13, I hope I don't get too bogged down in this verse because I, I, I'm excited about this verse because of all that Jesus does and I think blows the mind of his disciples that day and should blow our minds because you've got to put ourselves in the feet, literally, of the disciples who were there in the upper room with Jesus. In John chapter 13, verses 4 and 5, verse 14 and 15, as well as John 13, verse 34 and 35. So all, all of those scriptures will conclude and read in unison together, I mean, in, in cooperation together. And in John 13, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, so I mean, the scripture says, so he got up from supper, laid aside his robe, he took a towel, and he tied it around himself. And it's unique here. Next, he poured the water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, and he began to dry them with the towel tied around them. Then over in verse 14 and 15, so if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, again we're talking about action of a servant, that you also should do just as I have done. Now verse 34 and 35. I give you a new commandment, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, what a powerful passage of Scripture. And you get the scene. The disciples are just so elated that they've got Jesus to themselves. 
They've got the undivided attention of the Lord of, of Lords, the King of Kings. They've got the, the undivided attention of, of their God right there in the midst of them. They, they've got the undivided attention realizing that he is lifted up among all other things and he is praised. And all of a sudden, this Lord of Lord and King of Kings, the one who is in position to be praised to all the world, stoops down, unties the sandals on those feet, as dirty as they are, he stoops down and he begins to wash the disciples' feet and it blows them out of the water and they, they, they find themselves in a very uncomfortable position in life beyond anything they could have ever imagined. Here is their Lord who's washing their dirty feet and, and you can see all throughout that scripture that the disciples were, were bucking it and they were saying, you know, there's no way, Lord, let us wash your feet. And, and, and Peter even says, don't wash just my feet, wash all of me. And yet, he takes their feet and gently cleanses all their feet. And then Jesus says, now I've done this so that you understand what I'm calling you to do. I'm calling you into action as servants. You know you've got the privilege and the honor and the duty that's been, been entrusted upon you to serve. But now I'm teaching you the greatest action of servanthood. It's when you humble yourselves before the one you're serving and they don't see you, they see Jesus. They see God in action through your actions. To underscore the important quality, consider the words and the very actions of Jesus where we find him with his 12 for the last time meeting together in that upper room and in doing so, he unifies the entire group. There are lots of positives and there's lots of negatives that we've been going on, has been going on in our world over the last seven to eight weeks. It's amazing what's transpired from March 15th when we last met together as a church with no idea of what was going to happen over the next eight weeks to what we're experiencing this very day. And yet the church itself is being challenged to serve in a way that's beyond their recognition and what they're cap they thought they were capable of doing. And the positive about all this, it is exciting us to do something different in a world in which we've never touched. To me, it's amazing that we've gone from an average attendance of 68 to an average attendance of 1,258 in one Sunday. And the people who are viewing us now and you who are home viewing us now, you are a part of our virtual life. And we want to help you and we want to excite you just as Jesus excited those disciples when he took that basin and he took that towel and he began to wash those dirty feet. And he says to them, now I want you to go do likewise. It may not be literally going to wash someone's feet, but it is literally going to serve them with your whole heart. What must have been a bit disappointing was that none of the 12 had volunteered to wash any other disciples' feet. They were willing to wash Jesus's, but they didn't say, let me take that towel from you, Jesus, and let me go to Thomas, and I'll wash Thomas's feet. So as supper ended, Jesus arose at that table and he poured that water and he began to cleanse him. It's amazing that the Most High, King of Kings, Savior of the world, Mighty Counselor, Prince of Peace, stoops down in a crouched position and he released the sandals from his feet and he washes every feet. John 13 verse 12 says, Do you not know what I have done unto you? Understand, Jesus was looking for a certain answer and he was looking for dis discernment and he says, I gave you an example. Jesus did not say, go wash my feet. He says, go wash one another's feet. 
It's easy to serve God inside a church building. It's hard to serve God outside those doors, especially those who may not be as serviceable or lovable or open or receptive. But we continue to knock on their door and we begin to creep a little bit more into their life to try to make a little bit more headway. I look at, I look at what's happened in our life as a, as a congregation and I've said to the deacons and I say to you and I want everyone to hear this that there are frontline workers that, work, that have been working tirelessly all around us and they have been serving the community and we give praise and thanksgiving for that. But inside the church and our church, our frontline workers were your deacons and are still are your deacons. They've been serving you as a congregation. They've been calling you. They have been praying for you. They are very concerned over every person in the life of this church, those who are connected as members and those who are connected as regular tenders, even those that are connected with us in other states. That's why we have done, tried to do our best and hope we have not left anyone out that we have called every week trying to make contact with every person during this time to reassure you you're loved, that you're cared for, God loves you, and God cares for you. I look at that and I see that as a wonderful example of servanthood. Jesus was teaching them about an important quality that only his children, his followers were privileged to inherit, and that is the speaking of lifestyle witness. In order to be heard, respected, and invited into someone's life, you and I will be judged by our willingness to serve. If you look over into John chapter 17 in verses 20 through 23, we won't take the time to read that out loud. You can look at it later, but John 17 verse 20 and 23, believe it or not, Jesus was praying a prayer for you and I and he prays for us to have such an impact that the unbeliever may be drawn to Christ by the way we live. One of the greatest and most powerful examples of the church and family unit today is its closeness it is to its unit. I've spent more time over the last eight weeks with my wife than I have over the last eight years. That's good. Shamingly so. You have had more time with the ones you love. And the reason why you are the closest to that unit today is because of the time you have spent with the one you love. And the closeness and the unit that which we love is the people that God embraces us with to serve. And we serve with our whole heart. And we serve in such a way that we help others be drawn to Christ because we are connected to Christ. We're close to him because we spend time with him. I like that little Facebook post that went out that Jesus doesn't have COVID-19. You can get close to him. <laughs> the joy of thinking about another person, the satisfaction of being unselfish, the result of such is a togetherness beyond description Unity and togetherness, an almost forgotten virtue up until March 15th when things began to change for our world here that we live in. But let me give you a third part of a servant's influence. A third part of that servant's influence. If I keep going longer, I may have to go to a commercial so those at home can go to the bathroom. But anyway... <laughs> The acclamation of a servant is what I want us to think about. The acclamation of a servant found in a couple of scriptures in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through 13. And in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, it says this. We're talking about the acclamation of a servant. Verse 12 through 17, it says, Not that I have already... No, you're in Philippians. I'm sorry. My bad. Go to Colossians. Philippians, that was a good one too. I probably should have kept reading that one. Uh, Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, 
put on heartfelt compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity. The perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of the Messiah to which you were also called in one body control your hearts. Be thankful. And let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The acclamation of a servant is judged by the way he or she, you and I, serve with love unto the Father, a love that's given to those around us, to every person around us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 32, verse 4, verse 32, chapter 3, excuse me, chapter 3, I'll get it out in a minute, chapter 3, verse 32, chapter 4, I'll get there in a minute. I've got so many scriptures running around in my brain this morning. I've got them all marked in my Bible. All right, try it again. Ephesians 4, verse 32. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. And then over in Ephesians chapter 5, Verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial, fragrant offering to God. Wow, what a scripture. We're talking about the acclamation of you and I, the servant that God has called us to be. And that acclamation is wonderful when you and I, we acclaim the fact that we are servants, not that we're receiving the praise. Don't let that acclamation be uh, giving you the wrong impression, but we acclaim to the servanthood role that it becomes our status, that it becomes who we are, that it becomes all that we're about to do. It becomes our lifestyle. It becomes our faults. It becomes everything about us, and we take on that acclaim of a servant. So in what ways will you serve God in others? In what ways will you serve God in others? You say, Pastor, you know, three months ago, I could call up someone and say, hey, I'd like to take you out to dinner. And you spend time with them. But you can't do that right now. You can do it outside. And then if you do call someone up, they may say to you, I'm not comfortable going out to eat right now. I'm not comfortable you coming in my house. I may be comfortable you sitting under the tree and talking with me out in the yard, but let's hope it doesn't rain. So there's a lot of hindrances there that allows us to get into someone's life. And so the biggest question is that I've been wrestling with all throughout this from all the way from the beginning of March even when I saw this coming. I was wondering how in the world, what is it going to do to the church? What's the church going to look like for the next several months, several weeks, maybe the next year or every time some type of illness comes about? What is the church, how is it going to affect the church people? How are they going to continue to serve with an open heart and touch the lives of many? Well, I want to give you several things, and each of you have been given a handout. And for those who are at home, I'm going to try to go through this so that you can understand it, and we will post this on the website and on, the face, on Facebook later today so that you can retrieve these things for yourself and maybe can make sense about how to serve others in a COVID-19 world. In order to do that, I've got to have my cheat sheet, and it's sitting here on this chair. So how do you serve in a COVID-19 world. You say, well, we can pray with others. Well, that's not profound. I do that anyway. But you can't pray with others like you've been doing. You can't go over to the house and grab them up for a prayer meeting and say, let's all hold hands and hug one another and love on one another because right now the people aren't comfortable doing that because there's still so, so many uncertainties in the world. Even though you as a church 
and we as a people may be comfortable doing the things that we are normally, normally do, the people we're serving may not. So how do I pray with others? You say, well, let me give you an idea. There's so many things that's been happening virtually. We've had Sunday school virtually. We have different things that, that we're doing, uh, have Sunday school every week. Prayer, our prayer group on Mondays have been meeting and praying virtually. You, can, you yourselves can set up a virtual prayer group. It's very easy to do. You can go to many different apps that are free. You can go to Zoom that is free for the first 40 minutes. You can set up your own prayer group and send an invitation to people and say, I want to invite you into my prayer group because I want to call your name out to the Father and I want you to hear me call your name out to the Father and I want to pray with you and I want to invite you into my home and into my life virtually so that we can, we can hold hands virtually, hug one another virtually, love on one another virtually, communicate to one another virtually face to face and I can spend time praying for you. And the good thing is you can do it right there in your pajamas. You can do it right there with your cup of coffee in hand. You can do it with the things all around you. You can do it with your television on but silenced. You can do it with your phone in front of you but still on silence. The second thing, and this is what excites me, this, and I've asked, I, I contacted many pastors throughout this week and I con and used my Sunday school group as well to give me ideas. So these, these ideas didn't just come from me. It came from a group of people, I believe, prayerfully selected by God to give me answers to give you. Number two is this, prayer driving. Prayer driving. This is exciting to me. This is what every person can do when you leave this place today. And I know that you know how to pray. I know that you believe in prayer. I know that, that God is a God who communicates to you in prayer. So what you can do is you can do it all by yourself. You could actually call someone. I'll use myself as an example. All right, Donna calls me and says, Pastor, I want to pray with you and Renee today. I say, okay, well, let's just, let's just bow right. No, 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 I don't want to do it over the phone, not, not the way you think. In fact, in 30 minutes, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to pull up in front of your house or I'm going to pull up in your driveway and then I'm going to call you and I want you to get on the phone with me. I want you to come to your door or come to your window and I want to pray with you. I'll be in my car. You'll be inside your home. I want you to see me outside your, your residence and I want to pray with you right now. What does that do? That says to, it says to me that Donna took time out of her day sacrificed her time and came over to my community to show me that she cared so much that she gave up her time so that I would understand how important prayer is to her and how she could lead me in prayer. Isn't that powerful? That's something we haven't even thought about doing, but it's something we can do for the rest of our lives. And you know what? We're not, we're not solicitating in a community. Just put on your hazard lights. It's only going to take you a few moments and then you can drive off. The third thing is set up a prayer tent. You can go to a business right now. I promise you, there's no one who's got courage to tell you no. You know why? Because many people still think the rapture's coming. Many people are still living in fear. What's going on with all this that's happening in the world? You could set up a prayer tent outside a public business, go in, ask permission, obviously, and tell them what you're doing, and you're going to set up a little tent, and you're going to be under that tent, and you're not going to solicitate, you're not going to proselyte, you're just going to say to a person, can I have prayer with you today? They don't have to even stay with you on that prayer tent and to say, is there anything I can pray with you about today? Is there a person in your life that you need me to lift up in prayer today? I promise you, some will walk by, but many will give you the thought and they will give you the name and they will say, yes, I need prayer. A fourth thing is that you can do is pray over the phone. Just call them. You can say, hey, I'm thinking about you today and I ought to pray with you. And Bob and Eric and I, 
were in a prayer group praying for, for one member going through the difficulty and we spent the day in prayer back and forth and we prayed with that person and we spent time with them, giving each other updates and texts and so forth. It was so rewarding to know that on the other end was a group of men who were praying for someone. It's easy to do. And this one excites me as well. Adopt a park. Adopt a park. You say, what in the world are you talking about? You can adopt a park. There are so many public parks that are now open all around us. People are enjoying the park more than they are their own yard. They're enjoying the beach more than they are their own place where they live. Is to go into that park and adopt that park and to begin to prayer walk that park and as you're prayer walking, let others know what you're doing and call their name out before the Father and watch God do something in that park that, that God has never been allowed to do because the people haven't been in recognition of God in that park. Very non-threatening way. Worst thing they'll say is, I do not want you to pray for me. You can still pray for them anyway when they walk away. Another idea of how to serve in a COVID-19 world is, is you can call and mail and email. In other words, you can do a video call. How many of you know that you've got a phone that you can hit a button and you've got a face-to-face -face call? Many phones have that feature. And it's amazing what one touch can do. I didn't actually count how many people we had in the building today. And I haven't looked at my phone to see how many have already tuning in to us but I'd say we probably got you know at least close we got 40 52 52 people is what Dan said 42 people 42 people. all right so we've got all right you take us 42 this is what you can do that I think is is so so great about one touch of a button and I mentioned it to you last week if you tuned in you have now been given the opportunity and you are now being called to be an evangelist. How does it happen? And you don't have to move from where you are but your finger. If every one of us right now would get out our phones and connect to Facebook Live to this message right now, you have the opportunity to go on there and hit the share button. And if all of us, if 40 people in this room have 200 friends on Facebook, you can reach 8,000 people in a matter of three seconds. Do you realize that? And so it's so important that you and I realize the capabilities that God has given us in the electronic world to make a difference in a COVID-19 world. You can also send a text message. Text message that says, hey, I'm thinking about you today. I just had time, I just spent time in prayer for you today. You've been on my mind the last couple of days. I've just prayed with you. And, and you can send a text message. I promise you it will make a difference. I've received those text messages over the last several weeks. I've sent out some text messages to some people over the last couple of weeks. It makes a difference. You can send an email of encouragement. Just sit down and, and write out your heart in, a, in an email and send them a, an email note to encourage them. Mail a card. People are still receiving mail. The postmaster's still in business. See, you can still buy stamps. Send a card. Let people know that you care. It doesn't have to be a Hallmark card because I know the stores have been closed. You can create your own right there on the computer. And then we get these social media outlets to create a virtual Bible study. You say, I've been missing that connection. Well, why not just, just start a virtual Bible study? Send out an invite. It's very easy. Invite someone to come into your life and say, we're going to study the Bible over the next couple of, couple of weeks, maybe four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks or over the course of a year, whatever time you want to put on it, and you study the Bible together. You ever thought about creating your own weekly devotional? You, you are blessed. I'm blessed There's so many... Uh, uh, Articles are written in so many magazines, so many little publications are out there that we, we read the devotion and we, we read the scripture and it gives us suggested prayer. All you got to do is find your scripture, write out your thoughts and give suggested prayer. Send out that devotion to someone in your life. 
It's a very creative way in a world in which it's allowing us to get into the virtual world of people's lives. You can Facebook message someone. On and on that you can do. And then, and then, then you can do some helpful gifting. You say, well, how in the world can I do that? Have a meal delivered. You say, oh, no, 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 no. They're not gonna, they don't want me to come. No, I'm not asking you to go cook the meal. I'm talking you pick up the phone and say, Angelo's. Uh, I want to deliver this wonderful meal, this Italian meal, to a friend of mine. Can I pay for it? And I'll give you their address. They know that the meal's coming. And would you deliver that meal? They'll come in mask and gloves and hand and be all the PPEs and be protected. And they'll deliver them. And you can deliver that meal straight to that person. You can serve them. We're talking about service now. If you want to pay something for go find somebody in a, in a financial difficulty and say, how can I help you? If I paid your light bill this month, would it help you? If I pay your water bill this month, would it help you? If I pay your car payment, would it help you? If I pay your mortgage payment, would it help you? Go find someone, and you've got someone right there in your life and all around you, I, I know so. It's all around us. And pay an essential bill and watch what happens. You can give a gift. You can send a Bible to someone. You can send a book. You can have it delivered straight from, if you want to go eBay or, or Amazon or Lifeway or ChristianBooks.com, whatever site you're on, you can have it delivered right to their house, but you can pay for it. Clean a yard. Clean a car. Clean the house. You ever thought about going over to your neighbors to say, listen, not, not necessarily your individual neighbor, but someone's in need who's, who's considered your neighbor and say, I, want to just, I just want to do something today because I care about you and I'm going to clean your yard. I'm going to detail it. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of the edging. I'm going to make sure I blow all the debris away and I'm not asking for any money at all. I'm going to do it for free. And you do it and leave. Or you go to someone and say, listen, I want to wash your car. I know you haven't been driving it. I'm going I'm, to I'm wash your car. If you'll pull it out in your driveway, I don't have to get inside. I'm going to wash your car. Or for those who are a little bit more adventurous and you've got those pressure washers at home, you're talking about helping someone out, go pressure wash their house. Or you could support a local ministry. Things like Helping Hand, Backpack Buddies, you know, Help for Kids, all the organizations all around us, teen, the teen pregnancies, domestic abuse. There's all sorts of organizations that you can support. Now, I promise you, this list can go on and on, and it does. These are some good ideas people gave me throughout the week, and I thank you for that, and all those that helped me, pastors alike. It's all about answering that question, in what ways will you and I Serve God in others. And I know many times I gave you a small answer. I gave you a long answer to that question. All what I want you to do is now enjoy your service. Remember the important part of the attitude, the action, and the acclamation of a servant, all based up in the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, because He is our example of how we're to serve. I'm thankful of so many great servants that I've known, still know, and still enjoy to this day who have served very well and continue to serve. Incite me and encourages me to serve more. And may we as well be the people that excite others and encourage others to serve well and to serve more. Service, it does a body good, and it does a body good for someone else. It affects the heart, and it affects the life. And it can reach the unreachable, it can touch the unlovable, and it can make people more likable. Because God does that when he gets a hold of their heart and life. Let me pray with you as we come to a close and accept the challenge that that God has given us this day. Father, thank you for your example through the Lord Jesus of servanthood. 
Thank you for the inspiration and the encouragement and the strength and the wherewithal that we have within us because of the Lord Jesus who lives within us that calls us to be servants of you and your great kingdom. Father, I thank you that you are developing even more so servants, greater tomorrow than we are even today. Lord, give us the courage and give us the humility to crouch down in that stoop position and wash the dirtiness away in people's lives. Thank you, Father, for, for caring so much that even in my stale state and even in my unreachable state and even in my own understanding of caught up in my own selfishness, that you still love and you still care and you still provide and you still move us along and move me along to get to that point of my heart is open, that I understand vitality, that I understand selflessness, that I understand humility, all in the Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for the grace. Thank you for your love. In your name that we pray, amen. Well, folks, those who are listening at home, I want to give you a challenge. If you've never committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no better time than right now to commit your life to Jesus. And how does it happen? It's done by a simple prayer. A prayer that says that I am a sinner and I can't save myself and I ask you, Lord, to save me and give me new life. If you can pray that prayer, Lord Jesus, save me, I'm a sinner. And thank you for saving me. If you pray that prayer, guys, our, our telephone number is listed on our website at gatheringcommunitychurch.com. Call that number. If you do not reach someone, I promise you, if you left a message, we will get back with you in an expedite fashion and we will get in touch with you and help you. It's all because of those whom are touched by God who is the greatest servant of all. We want to close out with song, hopefully to inspire you, encourage you, and to lift you up this day as you think about what it means to be a servant.
make me 